Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. All right, well, good morning, Lake Point family, and uh, hey, if you've got your Bibles, head over to Philippians chapter one. Um, that's gonna be today, Philippians chapter one, and uh, hey, um, I do just wanna keep our eyes on the ball, so uh, just wanna make this really clear. We are, at this point, we are only a week and a half away from uh, my favorite services really all year at Lake Point, our candlelight Christmas services. That's only a week, week and a half away. Now, um, in a year that's just been like a, a little darker, a little harder for some people, uh, we are uh, just pulling out all the stops um, to make sure that those services are uh, just absolutely spectacular and incredible, you know, lots of tradition and meaning, and, and we're just gonna blow the roof off just celebrating um, the coming of our Savior. And so, uh, Matt, what I wanna say is, um, I just wanna make this really clear, um, because we've gotten this question, we have planned enough services at all of our locations so that everybody um, that uh, we think is gonna be there, and we think it's gonna be a lot of people, will be able to attend with plenty of space um, at all the services. So we're doing our part, we've got, we got that plan. Now, here's what we need from you. You gotta, you gotta uphold your end of the bargain. Uh, what we need from you is for you to visit lakepoint.church uh, slash Christmas. We need you to visit lakepoint.church slash Christmas and RSVP um, for which service you and your family are going to attend. Now, we need you, let me, let me just kinda, kinda say this for our, uh, our faithful Lake Pointers, we need you to avoid those services uh, later on Christmas Eve. That's when a lot, a lot, a lot, this place will be full of, uh, of guests and we wanna make space for the people who aren't going to heaven yet, just to be really blunt with you. And so uh, if you could help us out with that, um, that'd be great. Um, so if you can visit lakepoint.church slash Christmas. Now, I'm gonna give you permission to, something that, uh, to do something that I usually hate when I, I notice it. I need you to play with your phone for a second, okay? So if you do this, if you grab your phone real quick, because what I know is nobody's gonna register for those services right now because you're listening you know, to this just amazing preacher that is getting ready to, to raise. So what you, what you can do is, uh, is you can just text the word Christmas to the number 20411. Our church online, Lake Point Nation online, you can do this right now. Text the word Christmas to the number 20411. We're gonna shoot you that registration link uh, for our services, so when you leave, you've got it right there in your messages as you leave, and, uh, and you can RSVP for those services. So let's be, uh, man, just inviting everybody we can. Um, the spiritual temp- temperature of our nation uh, may never have been higher. The spiritual hunger of our nation in a dark year like this has really never been higher, and so you may never have, we may never have a chance to invite people who need the message of Christ uh, more than we have this year. So uh, let's do that. And uh, are y'all as excited as me for those services? I'm, I'm real excited for, that's right, man. 
for uh, Christmas at Lake Point. It's always just such a cool time. Well, here's where we are. We are in week two of a series that we're just calling All I Want for Christmas. And, uh, and what we're hitting this week is joy. Okay, now, let, let me um, just acknowledge something really quick. I don't have to convince you that you wanna be happy. I think you know you wanna be happy. Um, but what I do wanna do is confront uh, a, a little, let me blast something out before I build something up. Um, did you know that God wants you to be happy? God wants you to be happy. Now, he wants you to use his God-given means to meet your God-given needs, but God wants you to be happy. Um, have you ever heard a well-meaning, but I think extremely misguided preacher say something like this, okay? He'll say something like this. This is my angry preacher costume. He'll say something like, God doesn't care about your happiness. He just cares about your holiness. I don't know why a mean preacher wears a hood, but... But have you ever heard that before? God didn't care about your happiness, he just cares about your wholeness. Okay, let, let me just say, it is amazing to me um, some of the absolutely insane things that people will amen and applaud and share because they sound cute and cool, okay? Uh, let me show you how insane that is really quick. Um, how many, at all of our locations, let me see, where are our parents in the room? Where are, let me see parents in the room, okay? Okay, awesome, there's our parents in the room. Now, where are the parents in the room who don't care if their kids are ever happy? Okay, Child Protective Services, would you please grab this man right here, this guy right here, this guy right here, that's right. Man, no, 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 that's in, even this guy's joking. That's insane, right? What kind of good, good father in heaven has this mentality for his kids? I want him obedient and miserable. Nobody wants that. In fact, whenever the angels came, do you remember what they said? They said, behold, we bring you good news of great joy that the coming of Jesus was this explosion of joy into the world and that God wants you to experience joy. Now, let me take it a step further. You want you to be happy, God wants you to be happy. Let me, I'm gonna speak to only the church right now. I'm talking to blood-bought, Jesus-following Christians. Let me just say this, I mean this with a deadly seriousness. God wants you to be happy, you want to be happy. This world needs Christians to be happy. This world needs Christians to be happy. In fact, Christians ought to be the happiest people in the world because of what God has done for us, the past he has removed from us, and the future he's secured for us. We ought to be the happiest people in the world, and a dark and despairing world needs a joyful church. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche was once asked why he rejected Christianity, and his response was, I never saw the members of my father's church enjoying themselves. Guys, understand this really quick, and this, you may not like this, but it's true. This world is not on a truth quest, they're on a happiness quest. So a church of joy is as important as the church being filled with truth. So just think about this, okay, you want you to be happy, God wants you to be happy, the world needs you to be happy, let's figure out how to be happy. Okay, so here's what we're gonna do today. Uh, we're gonna read, uh, or I'm, gonna, I'm gonna teach real quick from um, the book of Philippians, the first chapter of Philippians, and it's written by a guy named Paul. And here, here's why I'm pointing this out, okay? Most people's happiness is like a boat on a tide. Um, when the tide goes up, the boat goes up. When the tide goes down, the boat goes down. When life's good, they feel good. When life's bad, uh, they feel bad, okay? Not Paul. Uh, here's Paul in Philippians. Paul, when he writes his book, watch this real close. When Paul writes Philippians, he is in Rome as a prisoner in chains awaiting a death sentence in a jail cell, okay? Now, the book of Philippians is the happiest book in the entire Bible. 
um, in four chapters, no less than 16 times, does it talk about joy, rejoicing, gladness, happiness. Now, let me just cut right to the chase, okay? Whenever, if I meet somebody who is in Rome, in chains, in a jail cell, awaiting a death sentence, and they can't stop talking about how happy they are, that's a guy I wanna learn from. Okay, so that's what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do in the next few minutes, is, it's gotta be short because we're gonna do these, these three habits of happiness and then we're gonna have a moment where we just have a praise moment and we worship our God and you'll see why. But, but we're, what we're seeing here is Philippians chapter one, Paul's habits of happiness. He was better at being happy than you. So let's figure that out. Three habits of happiness from Paul in Philippians chapter one. Number one, you've got to, if you wanna experience joy in your life, You've gotta to learn to look at every problem from God's POV. And now, when I, I say POV, here's what I mean. I'm standing in this part of the stage on purpose. When I say POV, that's a, a, a video and theatrical term, and it stands for point of view. So I'm gonna work out my camera guys I'm really quick here, so here's what I got. This camera right here, this is stage left, this is stage center, and this is stage right, and there's a little red light on them that you know, pings around whichever one's working. I gotta follow it, I, you know, it feels like a game of Pong when I'm preaching. So this is what I got, stage left, stage center, stage right, and this guy over here, this is the jib. That's the jib shot, that's the one all you over here hate. That's the jib shot, okay? Now, watch this, um, here's how this works. Now, I, I just want you guys to see this. So let me get right here, I'm at stage right, right here, all right? Now watch this, watch this. Let, just watch the POV change, stage left, Stage right, jib. Stage left, stage right, jib. Stage center. No, I'm just teasing, I'm messing up our video, guys. I told him what I was gonna do. <laughs> yeah, have fun with this. Okay, stage left, do it again, stage left. Stage right, jib. Stage right, I'm not gonna do it anymore. Give our video guys a hand real quick, okay? Uh, now, now you got video guys, you keep cycling through those different POVs while I'm talking about this. Now, are you noticing this? Every single one of these camera angles is a different POV, a different point of view. But watch this. Here's what I want you to notice. You can be looking at the same thing and it look totally different depending on your point of view. Now, watch this. Here's what Paul had mastered in the book of, first, uh, in, in the book of Philippians. What Paul understood is that God is always working out a plan and he puts our mistakes, our failures, and the sins of the world into the plan so that his good purposes are still going to work out. Now Paul knew this, and so watch, watch what he says here. It, pick up with me in verse 12. Here's what Paul says. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, so watch this. What's happened to me? Me getting arrested, me getting drugged to Rome, me awaiting a death sentence that we actually find out from church history, he ends up getting beheaded. What has happened to me, watch this, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the entire palace guard and to everybody else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. In other words, I went first and I gave them the gift of going second. They saw my courage and so they got courage. It's like, let's charge the battlefield together. And they now dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now, let me show you what Paul's doing here because he's looking at what's happening through God's point of view. Uh, Paul was just like everybody, everybody that's watching this message. Paul had a life dream. And here was Paul's life dream, talks about it through the entire book of Acts. 
Paul's life dream was to preach Jesus in Rome. Uh, The greatest, most powerful empire in the world was the Roman Empire, and the most influential city in the Roman Empire was the city of Rome. Paul wanted to preach Jesus where it would have the highest ROI, the highest leverage, okay? Now, here's what Paul thought that would look like. Paul thought that he would sort of walk into Rome, the power of the Spirit would fall, he would like rent the Colosseum and do a Billy Graham crusade for six months. And that's what Paul thought was gonna happen. Uh, here's what God said. Paul, God said, hey, Paul, yes, you are going to Rome, but I've got a different plan than yours. You're gonna go to Rome as a prisoner. And Paul, even more than a prisoner, you're gonna be a royal prisoner of the household of Caesar. Now, do you guys remember who was Caesar when Paul wrote the book of, of Philippians? Guy named Nero had the, uh, the, the mental stability of a Kardashian sister, okay? The great, just nuts. And, and so here's what happens. Paul goes as, a, as a, a, a prisoner, a royal prisoner. He gets locked in prison. And so because of that, Paul is chained to someone from the palace guard 24 hours a day for two years. Now, I want you to think about what happened here. Paul looks at this from God's POV, and he sees two amazing outcomes. Two incredible things happen, all right? Now, I did some math this week. Paul was in that jail cell for two years and, uh, and uh, uh, was chained to a palace guard for 24 hours a day. Historians tell us those palace guards were changed every four hours. So I did some math this week, and as a result of Paul being in prison there, he witnessed to 3,280 different guards. Now, as a result, you, by the way, you tell me who's the captive in that situation. Yeah, Paul's the captive, but he's the one with the captive audience. Now, as a result, two incredible things happen. If you flip forward to Philippians chapter four later, you're gonna find that as a result of Paul being chained there, some members of Caesar's own household trusted Christ and became Jesus followers. That's number one. But watch this. Here was the second outcome. Paul, um, he was wired a little bit like me, absolutely impossible for him to sit still. And so what Paul did is uh, he had never sat still before. He gets put in prison. He's forced to sit still for two years. And during that time, he writes this kind of important book called the New Testament. Kind of important. Now, those were the outcomes of Paul being in prison, those two things. So the Philippian church writes him, and they're going this. They're going, oh, Paul, are you okay? We bet you're so upset about this death sentence and you being in prison. And Paul says this right back. He says, listen, you're looking at it from the wrong POV. I'm looking at it from God's point of view and I see what God's doing. And and watch this, because of that, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened. Now, if I look at my life and I look at any of the tragedies that have happened or you know, sort of traumatic moments in our lives, Miscarriage, uh, 15 years of infertility, uh, <laughs> acute generalized anxiety disorder. What I've noticed is every time something like that happens, um, I go through these five phases, and you do too. Uh, when it first happens, um, I get real angry and uh, I respond in anger and I say something like, it happens. Um, But I say it in a way where it rhymes with a famous bumper sticker. It happens. 
<laughs> Some of y'all are getting that, taking a second. <clears throat> and then eventually, um, my anger, it turns to grief. And I'll have this moment where I start going, man, like, why, why'd it happen? Why'd it happen? And then somewhere along the way, seeds of faith start to get birthed in my heart and I start believing that God is gonna redeem the tragedy and I'll start going like, okay, it will happen. And then somewhere along the way, like God starts to give me maybe, maybe a revelation or he starts showing me how he's redeeming what happened in my life and I'll start going, man, I don't, I don't like that it happened, but I'm starting to see what God's doing and so I'll go, man, it had to happen. But watch this, if I walk with God long enough and I choose to look from his point of view uh, long enough, eventually there comes a moment where I see the redemption that God was bringing through all the pain, sin, and mistake, and there comes a moment where I look back through eyes of faith at what God did and I go, oh my goodness, I'm glad it happened. Now you're gonna notice that in your life. You're gonna go, it happens, why'd it happen? It will happen, it had to happen, I'm glad it happened. Here's what looking at something through God's POV is. It's you choosing to trust that level five is coming while you're in levels one through four. It's going, man, I don't know how it's gonna happen, but there's gonna come a day where I look back through God's POV and I go, I'm glad it happened. I praise you because you always work good for the people who love you. I want you to do something right now at all of our locations, people who are joining in with us online. I want you right now to get whatever problem is the main problem in your life in your mind. Get that in your mind right now, whatever it is, fix that problem in your mind. Right now, I want you to bow your head and I want you to pray this one sentence prayer. Right now, I want you to pray this prayer. Just pray, God, help me to see this problem from your point of view, amen. And you make that your prayer all week, all right? That's step one, is we've gotta learn to view our problems from God's point of view. Number two, we've gotta learn to source your joy in something that can supply. Source your joy in something that can supply. Um, do you guys know those, um, they're, the, they're church signs, that, they're the little black church signs, you can, you can take the letters on and off and put little cheesy sayings on them, things like, seven days without prayer makes one weak, W-E-A-K. Uh, you remember the, or you'll see the, the little God answers, Nemail, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, I saw, I came across one of those this week, and uh, here's what it said, okay? It said, now listen close, it said, no Jesus, no joy, but, but here's how it said it. Uh, the first, no Jesus, it said, uh, K-N-O-W Jesus, K-N-O-W joy. And then it said it again, and it said, uh, no Jesus, N-O Jesus, no joy, N-O joy. So it read like this, it read like, no Jesus, no joy, no Jesus, no joy, okay? That's how it read, all right? Now, um, let me just say, that's cute, but it's not true. Uh, <laughs> Let's, let's just be honest. There's a lot of things in life you can enjoy without Jesus. A lot of them. Krispy Kreme tastes good whether you're saved or not. Okay, so that's not true. Here's what is true. What your, jo what your joy is sourced by determines how long it lasts. That is true. You can either source your joy in him who is from everlasting to everlasting and then you can be happy no matter what. Or most people spend their entire lives trying to source their joy from things that have a very limited supply. And so they get a quick fix and then they're on to the next. Let me give you a couple examples. What most people do, especially younger people, I'm gonna do younger people first and then older people, I'm right on the, the middle because these are, my, these are like two, two little stages of my life I'm already seeing. It, what a lot of people do is they try to build their happiness or source their joy on people liking them or the approval of people. Now, that will work. 
it will work. Here's how long it will work, for about two seconds. You get, you get a little joy fix, happiness fix, and then that wasn't enough, and there's somebody else who didn't like you. The same, listen, they were shouting, Hosanna on Sunday, and crucify him on Friday. And that has never changed. Do you know why some of you are absolutely miserable? Because you've spent your entire life trying to please someone who is totally unpleasable. Uh, when, when you made a C, they wanted a B. When you, wanted, when you made a B, they wanted an A. When you made an A, they wanted straight A's. If you changed everything about your entire personality and self to try to fit their standards, they would still find something. Can I just release you? Look right in my eyes. Can I just release you from something really quick? The problem isn't you, it's them. The problem is not that you are not pleasing. The problem is that they are unpleasable. And the fastest way for you to ruin your joy is to try to build it on the approval of somebody else. It, it just has one. Now, what a lot of people do is they don't try to build their happiness, source their happiness uh, from the approval of people. They'll do, um, they'll do stuff and experiences. Do you guys know what is uh, successfully billed as the happiest experience on earth? You know what it is? Disney World. Happiest place on earth, Disney World. And, and that's true. When I'm at Disney World with my kids, I am legitimately happy. Here's how long it lasts. Till I get out in the parking lot and figure out how much money I spent. And then I'm not happy anymore. I'm not happy anymore. It lasted until I made it to the parking lot. If you, you're, you're, what your joy is sourced by determines how long it lasts. Let me show you this from the great theologian Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey said it like this. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dream so they can see it's not the answer. But that is just, it's, it's a fact. What your joy is sourced by determines how long it lasts. And if you source your joy from something that has a limited supply, it's gonna run out real quick. This is what made Paul so infuriating to try to make miserable. But listen, these Philippian jailers, they had to despise this guy. Because here's what it was like to make Paul angry or, or throw him off his joy. Here's what they said to Paul. They said, hey, Paul, we're gonna throw you in prison. He goes, great, I'm gonna convert your guards. They go, okay, fine, Paul, then we're gonna torture you. He says, okay, well, I do not consider that the sufferings of this present world are worth being compared to the future glory that will be revealed to me. Okay, Paul, then we're gonna kill you. To die is gain. Well, then we're gonna let you live. To live is Christ. You know, it's like whatever you said to Paul, you absolutely could not throw this guy off his joy because his joy was sourced by something with a limitless supply. And watch this, what you're gonna see. Here, here's, how, here's what Paul says, or here, here's, here's how this works. What you're gonna see is that over and over and over, the world's happiness is based on happenings. But Christian joy is sourced in Jesus, so you can have happiness no matter what happens to you. Now, I, I, wanna, I wanna show you a, a visual example of something, but, but what I need to do, I, I need to address a question that I'm getting really frequently right now in our church, and that some people just disagree with what I'm doing. And I just need to address something really quick in the life of our church. The most frequent question I get right now is, hey, Pastor Josh, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Why is Lake Point Church still trying to gather in person when we're in the middle of a pandemic? And I just wanna, let me answer that question real quick. My response to that question is because, guys, we're not experiencing one pandemic in our country right now. We're experiencing three at the same time. There's the virus pandemic, and nothing you're ever gonna hear me say is gonna minimize that or act like that's not real. It is real. It is real. It's just not the only pandemic we're facing. We're facing the virus pandemic, 
Then we're facing an economic pandemic that is plaguing not just our country, but throwing, according to the newest stats, 120 million people globally into, into poverty. So we're facing an economic pandemic. But watch this. The one nobody's talking about is we're in the middle of the worst mental health pandemic in our nation's history. Um, if you don't believe me, uh, let me toss out some stats again for you. Um, so in the last eight months, calls to the National Mental Health Hotline have increased by 1,000%. Um, uh, there's a foundation called the Kaiser Foundation that studies mental health in America. In a normal year, one out of every five Americans experiences a mental health crisis. That's, um, that's crippling anxiety, it's deep depression, it's suicidal ideation. In a normal year, it's one out of every five. In the last eight months, it's one out of every two. Uh, I'll, I'll do another one. Um, suicide rates are up as high as 162% in some states. Uh, this last one, when I read it, you're gonna go, oh, that sounds like great news. It's not, it's terrible news. In the last eight months, calls to CPS, that's Child Protective Services, are down 90%. Now, you may hear that and go, great, fewer children are being abused. That's not what's happening. What's happening is the same number or more children are being abused, but it, the, uh, the soccer coaches, the baseball coaches, the school teachers, the Sunday school teachers, they haven't been around to be able to see the evidence of that abuse and report it to get those vulnerable abused children out of those situations. So they're just stuck in the abusive situations and being abused. Guys, listen, we are in the middle of the deepest darkness of a mental health crisis our nation has ever faced. And if you're asking the question, why is Lake Point Church still gathering in person? It's this, it's because we are the church of Jesus Christ and we are called to step into that darkness. That's what we do. It's our calling to bring light into dark places and help where nobody else can. Now I wanna encourage you, like if you're going, will that, will that actually really help? Yes, it really will. Um, there, I'm gonna show you, this is brand new research. It came out two days ago. Gallup published a nationwide study. I'm gonna go ahead and toss it on screen. Studying mental health in America year over year. The change from 2019 to 2020. Now, as you're looking at this, look on the far left. And these are the demographic breakdowns all across our country. Different types of people, male, female, party identification politically, uh, ethnicity, all these things on the far left. On the far right, the highlighted column this is those categories change in mental health status from 2019 to 2020. Now as you scan that far right column, what you're gonna notice is that uniformly with only one exception, every single demographic breakdown is doing significantly worse in 2020 than they were in 2019 by an average of 10 to 11 percentage points, a, a significant standard deviation. Now, that's true with the exception of only one category of people. It's people who attend church weekly. Those are the only people in the entire country that are doing better in 2020 than they were in 2019. Let me say it again, guys. We are the church of Jesus Christ and we are called to bring light into that darkness. And the reason that status is true is because when we gather together for worship, we're connecting to the source of infinite joy. We're connecting to a God that can bring that to us, that breaks in, who, who surrounds us with shouts of praise. He does that for us. So listen, this is why we gather. It's important to source our joy with something that has a limitless supply. Now here's the last, here's the last little secret 
that Paul has for our, our, our joy, and it's this, it's, it's you gotta learn to fix your focus. You gotta learn to fix your focus, all right? I'm, I'm gonna read the passage, and then I'm gonna explain it. So here's what happens. I'm gonna pick up in verse 15. You can grab your Bible. So here's what happens. When Paul gets arrested and put in prison, all these like shady preachers with ulterior motives, they started targeting all of Paul's church plants and going there and preaching with their ulterior motives. The Philippians write to Paul and they're like, Paul, all these shady dudes are showing up at all your churches and they're trying to get all these people to follow them instead of you. They're freaking out. Here's what Paul says. He says, hey, it's true. You're right, it's true. Some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do so out of goodwill, Paul says. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely. In other words, he's saying, you're right. Some people, the only reason they came was to get a following. They just wanted more Instagram followers. They wanted a revenue stream. They just wanted more people to like them. You're right. But he's saying, those people, they think they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now watch Paul is a master at this. Watch how Paul fixes his focus. Here's what he says. He says, but what's it matter? The important thing, Paul says, is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. See, Paul fixes, he says, hey, you're focused on their wrong motives, I'm focused on God's right outcomes, and so I've got source for joy right now. Now, um, I, I wanna show you uh, how bad we are at this really quick, so here's what I need. In this room, at all of our locations, and everybody joining in Lake Point Nation Church Online, I need you to do this right now. I'm gonna give you 10 seconds. Whatever room you're in, I'm actually, I'm, I wanna find out who the winner is. Whatever room you're in, I'm gonna tell you a color in about two seconds, and I'm gonna give you 10 seconds to find as many objects in that room of that color as you can, okay? So you've got 10 seconds. I want you, all of our locations, church online, in this room, find as many, here's what I need. I need our competitors to rise to the top. I need our campus pastors to figure out who the winners are in the room. Here's what I need. You got 10 seconds. Find as many yellow things in the room as you can. Go, you got 10 seconds, okay? 10 seconds. Eight. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Pencils down. Pencils down. All of our campuses, pencils down, okay? Now, here's what I need. How many people found at least five red things? Oh, man, you didn't find any. Do you know why you didn't find any? Because you weren't looking for them. Okay, now watch this. Do you know why some people can't find anything in their lives to be joyful about? Because you're not looking for it. You spend your whole life focused on your situation that might not be praiseworthy. What you've gotta learn to do, watch this, this is, man, the, this, the entire sermon in a sentence right here. What we've gotta learn to do is get our focus off of our situations that might not be praiseworthy and onto our God who always is. We've gotta learn to do that. We gotta get our eyes off of this thing and up to him because when we're focused on him, we've always got a reason to praise. We've always got a reason for joy. I love how David said it. He said it like this. He said, I will praise the Lord no matter what happens. If the stock market goes up, I'll praise the Lord. Stock market goes down, I'll praise the Lord. If I get the job, I'll praise him. If I don't, I'll praise him. I love how the apostle Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians. He says it like this. Give thanks 
in every circumstance, in every circumstance, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Listen, 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 listen. You don't get to choose what you're going through. You do get to choose what you focus on. And that will determine your joy. Let me show you really quick. So what I'm getting ready to show you is the, um, is the tool that will help your pursuit of joy more than any other tool, okay? Now, coincidentally, this is the only time ever that you will ever see me with one of these. It's just not my thing. <laughs> uh, true story, <laughs> there was one time my youngest daughter, Felicity, she saw me like grab a little, like a, a, a drill holder thingy. <laughs> That's how tooly I am, you know? And, uh, and I was carrying it to the backyard and she went, Dad, you have one of those? <laughs> Shot to my masculinity. And um, there is one tool that will determine the amount of joy in your life more than any other tool, and it's this guy. It's a magnifying glass. Now, here's what a magnifying glass does. Okay, watch. It makes things big. A lot of you guys didn't know I had these pretty hazel eyes until just right now. Makes things big. And watch this. You don't get to choose what you're going through. You do get to choose what you focus on. And what you focus on will determine your resources for joy. Um, some people are better at this than others. My wife, Jana, nobody is better at this than Jana. Um, we got, so this is, uh, this is last week, my kids going to Santa, okay? Now, that picture's cute, but here's the full picture. Okay, now there's, yeah, that works. That's our youngest son, show the next one. So this is, this is uh, right after seeing Santa. Um, now, you can keep that up, yeah, you can take it down, never mind, you're good. Um, so Hudson was like, this week, he was just, kid was wearing me out. And I said to Jana, man, Hudson is a crier. And Hudson, now Jana didn't really have a magnifying glass, but like, here's what she did with her soul. She went, hmm, he's passionate. Um, when we first walked into the first condo we ever owned, it was 600 square feet, total dump. And I walked in and I went, this place is small. Jana went, it's cozy. Um, do you know why um, a lot of people are so happy when they're dating somebody and then they get miserable when they're married to them? Because when you're dating somebody, you focus on all the amazing things about the person. You guys are gonna be my guinea pigs right up here, okay? They focus on all the amazing things. When you're dating somebody, you go, oh man, she's so spontaneous. And then you get married and you're like, she's always late. Or like, you're dating somebody, I'm doing this to you, sorry buddy. You're dating somebody and you're like, oh man, I just love how laid back he is. And you didn't realize that was code for lazy until you married them. And that's how it works, is that you don't get to choose what you're going through. You do get to choose what you focus on. And do you guys know what praise and worship does? Do you know what it does? There's a reason the Bible says this. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. 
when we praise and we worship God, what we do is we're holding up, we're holding up this magnifying glass to God and we're going, man, my circumstances might not be praiseworthy, but my God always is. And we see that God is always good. He's always kind. He's always willing to pour out mercy. He is always doing good to us. He is always eager and ready to forgive. He stands waiting for you to come to him. He's always those things. And when we praise him, we make that really, really, really big. And so here, here's how this works. Um, have you ever, a lot of times what we think is we think worship is like what we do when things go good. I got the job, praise. Pregnancy test came back positive. Worship. Have you ever noticed that the happiest people in the Bible are the people who praise God when things are terrible? Job loses everything. Children, house, wealth. And he says, man, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord has given and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my God. Um, let me do one more. This is, uh, actually, I got it right up here. Uh, I'm gonna do it right here. <laughs> this is Habakkuk chapter three. It says, though the fig tree does not blossom, in other words, the contracts aren't coming in right now, and there are no grapes on the vine, we just can't seem to have the baby. Though the olive crop fails, the profits are really, really down right now, and the fields produce no food, I just can't land a contract. Though there are no sheep in the pen, my kids are running away from the Lord, and no cattle in the stalls, the cancer diagnosis came back positive. Watch this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in, not my circumstances, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And guys, this has happened to me so, so, so often. It's why worshiping together is so important. So many times I walk into this room and when I walk in, my problems seem really big and my God seems really small. And then it, here's what happens. Worship, 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 worship. And I leave and my God feels really big. And my problems, they feel really, really small. And so will you guys do this? Will you stand right now with me, all of our campuses? Will you go ahead and stand? Hey, let's do this. Let's magnify the Lord together. Right now, let's magnify the Lord and sing to him. And here's what we're saying in our hearts. What we're saying is, my circumstances might not be praiseworthy, but my God always is. And so we're gonna give him praise. Let's do that right now together. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.